this isn't brain surgery with Doc Snipes. This podcast was created to provide you the information and tools Doc Snipes gives her clients so that you too can start living happier. Our website, DocSnipes.com, has even more resources, videos, and handouts, and even interactive sessions with Doc Snipes to help you apply what you learn. Go to DocSnipes.com to learn more. I'd like to welcome everybody to Happiness Isn't Brain Surgery with Doc Snipes, practical tools to improve your mood and quality of life. Today, we're going to be going back over self-assessment. I know we went over it, oh, a couple months ago, um, but I've gotten some feedback from some of the listeners that they want a little bit more detail, a little bit more nitty-gritty, if you will. So I've broken this down to follow the self-assessment worksheet that's on DocSnipes.com. Take what you will, leave the rest, and we'll just kind of go from there. Over the course of this entire presentation, we're going to help you identify your main presenting issue. And this is really what you're talking about or what you're thinking about when you make an appointment to go see a counselor or you decide that you need to get help with a problem. This is your global problem. It's kind of like having a cold or having the flu or something like that. It's something that has a lot of symptoms to it that may have multiple different causes for different people. So what we're looking at is a complex issue that you're kind of generalizing as depression, anxiety, anger, and or addiction. We'll explore the development of the issue, or you will. (laughs) I'll help you identify what makes this issue better or worse, because the things that make it better are, hey, those are tools you already have in your toolbox, so you might as well use them. And the things you do that make it worse, you know, sometimes they may feel really good at the moment, but in the long run, it's not such a good thing. Um, So we'll look at those as well. Then we're going to explore the symptoms. Now, remember I said that no two people really experience depression, anxiety, anger, addiction in quite the same way. So we'll explore what your symptoms are, what that means for you, what the, what's maintaining them, and what you might be able to do to start addressing one of those. Remember when we've talked in the past, I talk about um, diagnoses as being sort of like a blanket that's all woven together. Now, normally you don't want a blanket to unravel, but when you're talking about a problem, yeah, you want to unravel that bad boy. So find something, find a string somewhere and start pulling it because when one area improves, then all the other areas are going to improve. So if you can start unraveling that tapestry of misery, you're going to start feeling better. We'll start identifying ways to address each symptom and ways to increase and maintain your motivation for doing those things because it's not always easy. You don't always want to get up and go to the gym. You don't want to always eat healthy. So we'll talk about that. So what is your main problem? And you notice addiction is notably absent here. And there's a reason for that. In the way we're going to look at it today, addiction often co-occurs with a lot of these. So I find that a lot of people, well, in 20 years of working with people with addictions and co-occurring disorders, I have never met a person who is ready for recovery, who has an addiction, who doesn't also have anxiety, anger, or depression issues going on that we need to address. So what I want you to look at is what is your main mood issue, if you will, and figure out kind or start thinking about what that looks like for you. And your big ones are anxiety, worry, um, generalized anxiety, social phobia, any of those, Um, anger, pretty self-explanatory, and depression. Now, depression can be debilitating. It can be clinical um, 
major depressive disorder, or it can be more like Eeyore, where just nothing makes you happy. And this is a milder form of depression, but it's depression nonetheless. And nobody wants to live like Eeyore. Um, nobody wants to live not seeing colors, not having happies, not having excitement in their life. So think about what your depression looks like and whether you actually ever get completely out of it or you go from major depression to, eh, I'm doing okay, back into major depression. And then we want to look at addictive, compulsive, or escape behaviors. And why did I put all those together? Well, because not everybody has met the criteria for addiction, but they may be using behaviors in order to escape, and it's starting to cause them problems. It may be starting to impact their relationships or their work product. At the very best or worst, or however you want to look at it, all this behavior is doing is helping you escape the larger pains, and it's not dealing with whatever's causing them. you got to deal with the root issues. And you want to deal with the root issues as they're impacting you in the present. Um, you can go to therapy and you can deal with your traumas from the past and, you know, resolve that stuff back there. But right now what we're talking about is how is that stuff from your past impacting you in the present? And what can you do in the present to improve the next moment? So behaviors that people use that are addictive or can become compulsive are those behaviors that produce a dopamine rush. They produce pleasure. They help you feel better or at least numb the pain for a little while. Drinking and drug use, obviously, first things that come to most people's minds. Eating. Eating releases a lot of serotonin and dopamine, especially your high-sugar, high-fat foods. Exercise produces those natural endorphins. And I'm not talking about 30 minutes three times a week. I'm talking about two, three hours a day where if you don't get to go to the gym, you start feeling really agitated. Or going to the gym if you've had a really bad day and exercising for six or eight hours and doing it to the point of injuring yourself. So remember that a lot of these behaviors are normal or can be normal ways of dealing with something for a moment. But if you continue to use them, despite them starting to cause you problems in one or more areas of life, then not only is it not resolving the initial issue, it's starting to cause more stuff. So you're compounding your problems. Anyway, gambling. That's pretty self-explanatory. A lot of people are very healthy gamblers, but some people find the escape in gambling and the rush from winning to be addictive. Pornography, sex, and yes, shopping. And sometimes it can be shopping, spending thousands of dollars more than you have, having twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars in credit card debt. Sometimes it can be less about the money and more about the time someone spends shopping because they're not doing anything else. They're just going into their little shopping world online or at the store, but generally this is online. I did forget to put internet and gaming and smoking or nicotine. So, and smoking and nicotine go up there with the um, drug related, if you will, um, pleasure producers. So thinking about those things that you use, and like I said, if Jim Bob goes to 
the bar on Friday because he had a really stressful week and has a few beers with his buddies, that doesn't make him an alcoholic. That isn't necessarily even harmful. It means he's winding down. If he has a few beers, has somebody drive him home so he's not DUI, he's not having problems in his relationships, that's normal, if you will, or functional um, use of that particular substance. We all eat. You know, it happens. And sometimes you'll have a bad day and you'll be like, okay, there's a pint of Haagen-Dazs in the refrigerator. It's going to be gone. If you do it every time you have stress is different than if you do it every once in a while. So I do want to clarify that a lot of behaviors you may do when you're stressed, but the key is, are you doing them despite them causing negative consequences in other areas of your life? All right. So the chicken and the egg, and this, again, is another one of those things I harp on a lot. Vulnerabilities and triggers are things that can cause chemical imbalances, which lead to the feelings of anger, anxiety, or depression. So triggers can be environmental triggers coming up on a holiday. It could be a vulnerability, such as not getting enough sleep, or it could be a vulnerability such as using alcohol, which we know is going to mess with your neurochemicals. When you sober up or when you encounter that trigger, you may start feeling any of these dysphoric mood states. And, you know, that's okay. It's, it's not something that we're going to say, oh, my gosh, that's, that's a horrible thing. It's becoming aware of what triggers these negative mood states. And whether your depression started first or your addic- addiction started first or, you know, it doesn't matter. What we need to do is look at what's going on with you right now. Self-medication means using behaviors or substances to feel better briefly. But again, it still doesn't address the actual cause of the problem. And it likely contributes to keeping your brain chemicals out of whack, causing you to continue to feel distress. So it's important to understand that while something can have a tempor- provide you temporary relief, and we're going to talk about this more in the next module, Temporary relief feels great, but if it causes more problems in the long term, it may, end up be, it may end up that it's causing you more problems. So you want to consider which tools you're using and if they're having a positive effect in the long term. Because remember, you always have options when you're solving a problem, and you want to choose those behaviors that are going to help you continue to move closer to your ultimate goals and being the person that you want to be. Once you've figured out what your main issue is and if there are any addictive or compulsive behaviors in there, start with your main issue. When was the first episode, if you can remember? When did it start and what caused it? You know, it could have been when you were six years old and there was something traumatic that happened. Or it could have been when you were 36 and you got a divorce or you got fired from your job. You know, there are a lot of things that could have caused it, but see if you can remember, because that this will give you an idea of some of the triggers that are going to make this worse, but it's also going to give you more of a cause or more of an idea about whether the cause is biochemical from genetic predisposition and a family history, or whether it's something in your current environment. So think about how long the first episode lasted, if you can remember. And what changed to make it stop? My son um, has judo on Sundays, and 
I asked him how, how class went when I picked him up. And he said, well, as usual, the first three quarters really didn't go well. And then the last quarter really went well. And my first question to him was, what changed? What was different in the last quarter that made it go well? Because we want to do that again. And he couldn't really identify it, but I wanted him to start thinking about and noticing the differences between when things are going well in life, but also in judo, and when things are not going as, as he would like. Once you've identified your first episode, then we're going to fast forward to your most recent episode. That could be now, that could be 20 minutes, uh, 20 days ago. But I want you to think about in the present with your skills and tools as you have them right now. Because what you had as a six-year-old, if that's when your first episode was, those skills and tools and needs are very different than the skills and tools and needs you have as you are as an adult. So in your most recent episode, when did it start? What triggered it? You can probably figure that one out. How long did this current episode or most recent episode last? And again, what changed that made it stop? And if it's still going on, on the days that you have better days or even better moments, what's different? And then look at the episode before the most recent one. Because what I want you to do is start identifying patterns in your current life with your current skills and abilities and supports and environment and figure out what is it that seems to be triggering these episodes if you're having them. You might start seeing patterns. For me, I notice that if I don't take a day off from work and I'm working, you know, 20, 30, 60 days in a row, I start getting a little bit cranky. I love my job. And I can fall into the pit or the trap, if you will, of wanting to get a project done or getting something so ingrained in my head that I'm not focusing and my life becomes less well-rounded. I become more stressed and more cranky, not sleeping well. You see where this is going. Um, So if you look in your present life, what is triggering those episodes? What typically makes them better? Are there relapse warning signs? And a relapse is not just for addiction. It means a return to a prior state. And in this case, we're a prior unpleasant state, depression, anxiety, anger, anything that you're trying to deal with right now. Most of us have them. We notice that we start getting a little bit more temperamental. We may not want to be hanging out with friends as much, so social withdrawal. Um, We may start eating more poorly, drinking more caffeine. What is it for you leading up? Look the 30 days prior to your last episode and the episode before that. What things started to happen that indicated that you were on the downhill and you probably needed to do change course? And are there things that consistently help? For me, going to the gym consistently helps as long as I'm, you know, doing it in moderation. Um, that helps me feel better when I start getting stuck and in a rut and sometimes just going out and pulling weeds and making my garden look pretty. Those are mine. What things consistently help you? And I'm not talking about make it go away permanently. I'm talking about what can help you feel better for an hour or maybe for two hours. And then start looking at for a day or two days. Don't put the cart before the horse. Let's just start figuring out what skills and tools and things can you do that help even for a brief period.
So most people have more than one presenting problem. A lot of people present with depression, anxiety, anger, and addiction, and it's just the way it is. So we want to kind of look at what's going on and what are some common threads that we can start pulling. And a lot of times it goes back down to um, what you'll learn about in Maslow's hierarchy, that the base of biological needs are not getting met. They're not getting enough sleep. They're overly stressed, have too much cortisol. They don't feel safe physically, or they're not safe in their own heads because they have such a negative Nelly in the back of their head telling them that they're not good enough, that they're constantly under stress, and it causes a lot of those other symptoms. Addictions can cause depression or anxiety, and addictions can be used to self-medicate depression and anxiety so it doesn't matter if it's causing or self-medicating you know, whatever we need to deal with it by examining the course of the problem you can identify your personal relapse warning signs those things that show you you're going on the downhill and useful tools that you already have that can help you improve the next moment and start trying to change course if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe on any of your favorite podcast players to Happiness Isn't Brain Surgery. You can join our Facebook group at docsnipes.com slash Facebook. Subscribe on our YouTube channel, which is actually from our sister company, All CEUs Education. Or join our community and access additional resources at docsnipes.com. And we will be back with Module 2.